Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Jack and Zach Kentucky Round Ball Attack. Tentatively is how we're going to, uh, I guess we're going to name this this podcast for, for day one. Step one of day one is going to be finding a new name. But for now, that is what we're going to stick with because it rhymes. We are no longer the Max. We can't use that anymore. But my name is Zach Gagan. We got Jack Pilgrim here as well. Jack, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic. I am uh, excited to to move on to this new adventure with you. We enjoyed our time with the Maggie Davis. She is now off to bigger and better things. She was fantastic. But all, all good things must come to an end at some point. And uh, she left us scrambling for a brand new name. So I'm sorry if there's somebody to blame for that corny name. It's 100% her because we were all worked out with the max. Things were fantastic. And now we are stuck with the Jack and Zach Kentucky, Kentucky round ball attack. So but we will figure something out better. We, the creative juices just aren't necessarily flowing right now. It's been sucked away by, uh, we'll just say COVID. It, well, if, if you guys like it, let us know. It's just kind of a word, you know, if, if there's something you want to like tinker with the name or, or, you know, hoops attack or, you know, we, we don't have to play on the Jack Ack, you know, attack, you know, name. It's low hanging could, fruit. That's why yes, we went for it originally. It's very, very much low hanging fruit. So give us some suggestions. Let us know what you think. Uh, and it, we would, we would love some advice on this corny name, but, um, yeah. Until well, let's let's quickly tell them what we're going to be. Let's let's tell them what this is all about, so they can kind of have a better idea of what we're what what to even think of for a name. So, with the Max, us three, we kind of went through just newsy stuff throughout the week or whenever uh, Maggie was free to record with us. We would just kind of update whatever was going on. Um, so this is what we're, what we're going to be doing here is focusing pretty much solely basketball. It's going to be only hoops talk. Um, so we kind of have a rough layout of how we're going to do this. We're going to start. Uh, each episode, we're going to go run through some men's basketball talk, some women's basketball talk, some NBA talk, um, mostly BBNBA, but today might be a little switch up. We might do some little Celtics talks with Jack, and then I'm also a Cavs. My so favorite. Heads up, those two uh, teams might be uh, in your ears more than you'd like. But anyways, we're going to do those three topics, and then maybe at the end of each episode, kind of give our hot take, our Kentucky, Kentucky basketball hot take of the week related to whatever you might want it to be. It could even... Um, it might not even be related to basketball. We might just try and uh, say things to get the uh, the crowds roused. So UK athletics based, there you but go. mostly, you know, if it's a big, if it's UK Georgia and football, or you know, like you know, we're going to stick to basketball with this primarily. But if there's not a hot take to be had in basketball, we're going to go with we're going to go with the current current events. And we just so happen Typically to have some hot takes. And, and this week especially, we will have hot takes. Yes. So I guess we'll go ahead and sign of or kind of just kick ourselves off here and uh, dive straight into some men's basketball talk. If that's all right with you, Jack, we've got some a couple of big quality news items to discuss quickly. Yeah, this is like the biggest Kentucky basketball week or I guess two days, 48 hours of the entire summer. This was just I mean, we were we were waiting since May for this news with Olivier Saar. He committed May 6, I believe. And we have been, I mean, I think we've had like weekly posts up on KSR about, oh, this guy is getting a waiver before SAR. This guy's getting a waiver before SAR. The NCAA is implementing this rule that could help Olivier SAR's case. It was over and over and over and repetitive, nonstop. And finally, 
we've reached we've reached our big I think day. I think there was five different points over the last five or so months where I've been like this is the week we're gonna find out yeah and it never never once came yeah yeah and and, and Jacob talking we, on top of it on yeah top and on top <laughs> I see what you did there yeah we we kind of reached that point in the summer where we were like oh I think, you know, the NCAA is starting to put out a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of, of new waiver requests and updates. And it kind of feels like we're right on the cusp of this. And then we then come to find out the SEC had to rule on it themselves as well. So there were two there. There was a whole I mean, we weren't even halfway there at some points so that we thought we were right on the cusp of it. So that day has finally come. Olivier Sar is officially eligible. Jacob Toppin is officially eligible two massive pieces, one obviously more significant than the other, especially for this coming season with just how important uh, Olivier is to to the team, how good he is. I mean, third team all at ACC, you know, 14 and eight and and one block per game type guy. I mean, to to say that this is a massive get would be an understatement. I mean, Kentucky desperately needed this. I think the top of news is really a little underrated as well because, you know, initially he was just going to sit out this whole year and now he gets the extra, he gets the free year of eligibility. So he doesn't lose it at all. He's going to get a whole extra year to play. If this kid is really as athletic and as raw as everyone says he is, this is exactly what you want. You want to give him this whole year. Even if he sits on the bench the whole time, you want to be able to give him the opportunity to go out there and play. So I love to see all, all that stuff, especially the star news. It felt like even Jeff Goodman threw us in his top 10. So at, I think about two hours, I, I remember when that news broke, we were all kind of covering the site that night. And immediately, I think I saw five or six different media outlets immediately put Kentucky at six or seven spots higher than they initially had him in their ranking. So it yeah. seems like we're pretty much now a consensus top five team at this point. Yeah. And I think with SAR, I think I said this on the Max a couple of times, Without SAR, Kentucky was a they, – the, the, their ceiling was Sweet 16. They were not going to get past that. They, they, uh, Cal Perry has said over and over again, Bruiser Flynn has said over and over again, if you do not have a legitimate post threat, if you, if, if you don't have a true pro, post presence down low, you're a fraud. And we've seen some Kentucky – I mean, look what happened with the Tyler Eulis, Jamal Murray year. That team did not have a true post presence with Scott Labissier. Great kid, but that was not a guy that you could rely on to do anything down low. Marcus Lee wasn't that guy on that team. And where did they end up? Didn't get past around a 32. So you look historically for the Kentucky teams, especially in the Calipari era, they've always had one anchor down low that you could rely on. Worst case scenario, you throw it down low. He can do something with the ball. He can score for you. Olivier has great court vision, you know, you know, great passer. Uh, so, so he's going to do something positive with the ball every time he touches it. And that, I mean, that, that in itself is just so valuable for, for a very young group of, of talented, but very young uh, group of Wildcats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess where, where do you see, what's your prediction now? What's your prediction for the end of the season? Give your honest, your honest, realistic expectations now with Sar and, and Sar and Toppin in the lineup. You've got the whole team now. And how, well, first of all, actually answer me this first. How many players do we, how many, what's the rotation like? How deep are we? Okay. Once well, we um, SEC play, what is the rotation going to look like? Because it's not, I, be, I don't see a platoon ever happening again. Well, I wish it would. I said this on sources say Wednesday night. I uh, I talked to somebody that has been watching practices, very very familiar with how things are going in practice, and he told me, Calip- 
Cal never does the platoon system. He keeps his rotations at seven to eight by the time we get to get to March. But he said, this team is very, very, very talented and very, very, very deep. And they're connecting well. The chemistry is there. All of those boxes that you kind of need checked off for a national title contender are there. They're being checked off as you know, every single day that they're in practice. Um, and he tossed the idea of a platoon. He said, I personally, I, I get it. I understand the way Calipari works. I know this. I know that he likes, you know, he gets stubborn and he likes his, his group of guys. But he said, me just watching, uh, I think Terrence Clark said earlier this week when he talked to the media, he said, there's not a big drop off from unit one to unit two. And I think that's telling uh, because that falls in line with what I, what, what I've heard of what's going on in practice that they're switching jerseys and, you know, the, the, the reversible practice uniforms and, both units are looking just as good as the other. I mean, the Terrence Clarks and BJ bosses of the world are obviously better than, you know, the, that next group down, but the drop off isn't one where you go, ah, well, that's obviously the people that need the 35 minutes a game. The other guys behind them need 10 or 15. It's more of that 25, 15, you know, 25, 20 minute differential from, from unit one, unit two. I don't think they'll go troop platoon, but I think that this team is way too deep, way too talented to not utilize a deeper bench. I think just, you know, foul trouble always happens. We, you know, people get banged up. You know, Nick Richard missed some time last year with, you know, various injuries. EJ Montgomery missed some time early with some injuries. You know, I mean, injuries happen. And that, I think that is a difference, especially in a season with so much uncertainty with how is the season going to even be played? Why, you know, what are the specifics of it? With so many questions, having 11 scholarship guys that can come in and contribute from day one. I, I just, I just think they're, they're, they're at a, a, an upper, they have the upper hand on college basketball right now. When we even, when, so when Cal made that video, I guess, what was that three or four days ago when he put that out? Um, I remember texting you all uh, saying it felt like Cal usually doesn't come out and, talk you know he obviously you know kind of threw some backhanded compliments at his team but he came out and he was pretty he seemed pretty good he's very happy about where this team was at you know still what are we we're still a whole month away from the first game so usually it doesn't obviously you know being trapped inside and social media maybe it made him more likely to do something like this Mm -hmm. nowadays but he just seems like he's more he's jiving more with this team than he normally does um and I don't know, you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I feel like Cal really gives players, um, especially beginning there, he's going to give them an opportunity to play. Um, if they may, fans may not think they necessarily deserve it or not, but he's going to give these players an opportunity to play. Um, so I think there's at the beginning of the year, you know, he could, could get into a situation where the talent is forcing his hand. And, you know, if he's got 10 players that all deserve to be on the court, he should. he's probably going to try and find a way to get them all on there. I guess the question will then be, you know, does that continue on into the rest of the year like it did in 2015 where they were able to take that all the way to, to the, the tournament? And, you know, it's easy to say right now that we have 10 players, but there's always there's always going to be a couple guys going throughout the season that might not, you know, live up to those expectations. So, yeah. And here's guess, here's the ex- back, what is what is your top? Give me your top eight. That's tough. Well, first, let me give you the, the exact quote that I got from from the guy that that's been watching practice said, they're all working hard. You always hear Calipari talk about how he likes it, how he likes his team. No, he really likes this team. These kids are good. They're just so deep. That's why he's so excited. They're deep. 
Normally his teams go eight deep. They are nine, 10 solid, 10 easy. It's a platoon lookalike. They're going to be a matchup nightmare for teams. So interesting to hear. I personally don't see the platoon happening. I think if that was just such a, I mean, when you have four guys on the team that are seven feet tall and your starting point guards are six foot six and you have, I mean, the, the, that team was just something that, hate to say it, we'll never see ever again in college basketball, just that level of talent, that level of experience with Willie Cauley-Stein and obviously Alex Poitras got yes. hurt. But, but you know, it was top-heavy with, with you know, seniority with, with Willie and Alex Poitras to start the year. You had those middle-of-the-pack guys with Andrew Harrison, you know, year two guys, uh, you know, Dakari Johnson the Harrison twins, you know, those guys. And then the very talented young freshmen and, and Tyler Eulis, Carl Towns, you know, Trey Lyles, Devin Booker. I mean, that team just was the most, the, the most complete group of talent, but let me look, let like me, those let me, freshmen, it felt like these freshmen are def there's, they're not as highly touted. They are obviously as good. They're a great class, the number one class, but that 2015 class, you know, they had four or three lottery selections, Tyler Eulis, you know, do we have, uh, you know, is is Devin Askew going to be a guy that goes in the lottery, or is Isaiah Jackson going to be a guy that's like? Are we, do we have guys that are actually going to be that good? All right, let's go through the rotation. Let's go through the. I have the depth chart pulled up right now. All right, good. your starting group. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing it could be. It, it's a it's a toss up right now between Davion Mintz and, and Devin Askew at the start the starting point guard job which really? spot which is which is fantastic. Or I would have thought Askew would be the their guy. Which is, which is, I mean, I think that's a good thing because it's one of those things that you know what Dar- what Davion Mintz brings to the table. I mean, he started a ton of games at, at Creighton. I mean, he was a guy that, I mean, I mean, he's played three, I think he's played in three Big East tournaments. He's played in two NCAA tournaments, one NIT. Like, this is a guy that has played postseason basketball. He's a guy that you could trust from day one. I mean, you have to remember Devin Askew was a reclass guy that made the jump from 2021 to 2020. Um, so I think at the end of the day, Calipari has been outspoken. I think, you know, behind the scenes that he wants personally Devin Askew to, to, you know, to hand the keys over to him by the end of the year. But when you have a guy with so much veteran value in Davion Mintz, and I kind of equate that situation to uh, the Andrew Harrison, Tyler Eulis situation at times, Tyler Eulis was very obviously the better point guard between between him and and uh, and, and Andrew Harrison, but mm-hmm. but you know what you're always going to get with the Andrew Harrison's of the world. You know he's a he's a, a not a guarantee, but he's a consistent, and that might hold precedent a little. You know that might be a little bit more favorable for Calipari at least to start the year. Um, so. I kind of look at that situation as an Andrew Harrison, Tyler Eulis situation. So let's, let's kind of indirectly compare this to that platoon team and see how off base we are. If, if we if, can match it up, if, if we get to the bottom of this roster and it's like, all right, yeah, they're not even close to what that is. Then we'll tell ourselves that we're stupid, but let's just, for argument's sake, let's just do it. Terrence okay. Clark, Terrence Clark is the starting two guard, which I think that's, that's a guarantee heard incredible things about him he is going to be a lottery pick he's probably going to be a top 10 pick might even be a top five pick he's that good he's a damn damn good player physically kind of that i've said this before just super strong core i mean he's he's one of those guys that put on put on a, a a good bit of of muscle and weight this summer working out 
and, and you know, developing his game, build up, developing his body a little bit. He's NBA ready right now. Uh, talking to some parents, talking to some family members, people that worked out with him this summer. Um, he's a guy that has made a huge jump from where we saw him at, last year as a senior in high school and at the AAU events and all that. He is a lock-in guarantee. I put him easily better than that Aaron Harrison right now. I mean, I know Aaron Harrison has the shots and all that stuff, but in terms of being a quality basketball player produ- production you're not going to you're not going to convince me that that Aaron Aaron Harrison is a better all-around true player than Terrence Clark is I think I think he easily has that one well and Ter- Terrence Clark's frame was kind of my one of my biggest issues with him coming in so I guess you're saying that he's put on enough weight that that's not necessarily one of your issues anymore no I'm I'm very much impressed with that and then Dante Allen versus Devin Booker is the backup too obviously we got a tip Tip that to Devin to to. We also haven't know, seen Dante play, but obviously, you know, Booker was him. But. but I'm also very high on Dante Allen. This is a guy that averaged 40 points a game in high school for for 13 games before he had his his major injury. He's missed all all of this past year. He broke his collarbone as well. I mean, it's been a long, tough journey for him. But it's obviously, uh, but comparing the two overall. I'm taking Terrence Clark well ahead of of um, of Aaron Harrison, and then Devin Booker obviously ahead of Dante Allen. Net equal, maybe? Would you would would you compare those those two? Maybe I think it's hard. Probably, but I mean, I'd probably favor that 2014-15 team. But um, but still, it's not enough to go. Ah, well, this argument's stupid right now. Um, you go to that third group, BJ Boston as the starter versus uh, Trey Lyles as the starter on that 2014-15 team. Probably take BJ Boston. BJ Boston's a star. Absolutely. Lyles did go lottery, but that was a long, that was a long-term investment. Not a, not a short-term. Lyles, Lyles was definitely a very, very, very good UK player, but he was not the go-to guy as, you know, as BJ Boston will be. BJ BJ Boston, Boston. for all intensive purposes, will be the Carl Anthony Towns of this team. If BJ Boston doesn't score 15 points a game, I will be, I will be just absolutely shocked. They probably won't win many games if he doesn't score 15. I I just don't, don't envision a scenario where BJ Boston is not that guy. Um, And then the backups, who is behind? I've got it pulled up right now. So we got the three behind the three. Let's see backups here. We've got Lyles, Johnson, Euless, Marcus Lee, Poitras, Dominic Hawkins. Um, and then Derek Willis, and then you got what, was Derek Willis that backup three? Derek Willis did not play more than like five minutes a game that season. Derek Willis Ooh. played four minutes a game. Okay, so the backup three would have been. Let's see. They started Trey Lyles started a lot. Alex Poitras started. Dominic Hawkins got some starts. Yeah, Poitras so started that, the I mean, year, and then their so top I guess were, to to start the year it Poitras was Poitras. The 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 platoon system was Poitras at the starting three and then Trey Lyles as the backup three. So I think, yes. I, you know, I, mean, I think even, the start. even still, I think we're taking BJ Boston over Alex Poitras as that, yes. is that three. And then, yes. and then that Trey Lyles versus Cameron Fletcher, Jacob Toppin, obviously favoring Trey Lyles in that, in that case. I'm, I, I like Cameron Fletcher. I'm hearing good things about Jacob Toppin, but I just don't think that's even a, a, a comparison. Keon Brooks at the four, and then Lance Ware is the backup. Um, I guess that would be Marcus Keon would Lee be or Willie Collie Stein. Keon would be Willie, who was, I mean, that's not even remotely close. And then uh, Lance Ware versus Marcus Lee, which I think 
that's a little bit more even. I'm not a huge. That's probably a, kind of a close comparison in terms of overall ability. Yeah. Um, so that one, that one's a little bit off. And then Olivier Saar and Carl Towns. In terms of, in terms probably of, get it to Cat, but Saar is probably going to give you more production this year. Production just because you didn't need that much for. Uh, so th- this is very much swinging in the 2014-15 teams direction, obviously. But you get what we're you get what we're saying. I mean, uh, Olivier Saar, Isaiah Jackson is the as the the both both fives down low. There's a lot of talk. I mean, John Rossine put out that thing that said Isaiah Jackson's making a strong push. Shoot, maybe he makes a push on Keon Brooks for that backup for, for that you know com- competing for minutes for that four. And then you start getting into that argument about Keon Brooks is the backup. And, and, and I mean, this team, I think the, the biggest takeaway with this team is there's so much versatility. I, I, I wrote this in a, in a, this is why Kentucky is a national title contender post on, on KSR yesterday. And I basically said, this team is not necessarily going to kill you with just pure skill. They're going to a lot. You know, I think just skill-wise, Terrence Clark, B.J. Boss, and Olivier Saar are three true stars that all are SEC going to – I mean, yeah, those can be all SEC types. But what where they're going to kill you is that they're going to kill you with matchups and versatility. Say you're going up against a team that's just huge. Just, you know, you're, 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 you have to, com- you know, the, compete with the size – you start Terrence Clark at the one, which I've heard that he is getting a lot of work at the one. Heard that earlier this summer. Heard that when he was being recruited, that that was one of the key pitches to Kentucky from Kentucky to 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 Terrence was that he wanted like to be used a little bit as a one. Ball. He did, and he wanted to you know kind of show that versatility to the NBA scouts in his one year at, at Kentucky that he can he can do both. And Calipari said, "Yeah, we believe that you can do that." And they've already been working on that. That's been a long development. That's not anything new. That's been that's been in the works for a while. So Terrence Clark can easily run the one there for a while at six seven. BJ Boston at the two six seven. Keon Brooks at the three six seven slash six eight. Isaiah Jackson at the at the four at six ten. And then Olivier Saar, true seven foot. I mean, well, Devin Askew six three, right? Devin Askew six three, pushing six four right now. Um, Dante Allen six seven with a seven two wingspan, seven one wingspan, something like that. Cameron Fletcher six 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 seven, strong NBA build from day one. Lance Ware's up to like six nine six ten. Um, Jacob Toppin's like six nine six ten already. This team is massive. The only guy on this entire roster that I believe is under six four right now is Davion Mintz. Pretty certain he's the only guy that's under six four. He's kind of a stockier build too. Yeah, I mean this 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 roster is just so freaking huge. So that's your size lineup. You you have a guy you have a lineup where you say we're going to kill you. We're going to we're going to kill you with size. You got one. Hey, we want pure athletes on the floor. We want to just out athlete the hell out of out of the opposition. Run up and down the floor, throw alley oops, just be a fun run and gun type team. You got Terrence Clark again at the one who is one of the most athletic players out of high school. Terrence Clark at the two, you want a, you know, Jacob Toppin at the three, a guy that you could just throw lobs to all day, or a, even a, a Cameron Fle- or a Keon Brooks at the three or whatever. Keon Brooks at the four, Isaiah Jackson at the five. I mean, lots of options. All, all shooting lineup, Davion Mintz at the one, Devin Askew at the two, Dante Allen at the three, uh, BJ Boston is a small ball f- four, and then Keon Brooks is a small ball five. I mean, that's, and I think again, that that would be right there why I don't see Cal doing a platoon. 
Yeah. I mean, there's just so much versatility with plug these and lineups. Play. Yeah. I think his plug and play ability is going to be even better than that 2015 team. Cause you know, with the 2015 team, you had guys like Dakari Johnson and Marcus Lee who were about as limited as it comes in terms of, you know, what they could do on offense. So yeah. Being able to have guys that can literally just come in and catch lobs from every single direction is going to be nice. So um, yeah, the, so the long, long drawn out answer to your original question is, does this team have the opportunity to, you know, what, what is your long-term, you know, trajectory of this team? I absolutely, without a doubt, think that this is a title team, mm-hmm. T- title competing team. I'm not, they're not, Final nobody's four. guaranteed, nobody's guaranteed to ever win a title, but this right. is one that will be in contention to do so. No, I definitely think you're, you're accurate about that. So let's, let's kind of uh, shift gears here a bit, if that's all right. Let's we do it on that. Let's do it. Let's shift gears to another team that could potentially also have some uh, title aspirations the Kentucky women's basketball team. So oh, yeah. this is more, this is more my beat. Uh, so I will, I will kind of quickly open it. I've done some stuff on the site the last few days that you should definitely go check out about this team. But essentially what we're looking at from them is they are also going to be another incredibly deep squad. They're going to have about nine, probably they can probably go 10 players if they want. There's a few additions that are going to be, that are still some unknowns right now, like Olivia Owens. I got a couple of, uh, um, freshmen that like Nia Leveretter and Aaron Toller who are going to come in. Um, we don't really know much about them, but the biggest key is you're going to have the big returners and Ryan Howard, Kiki McKinney, um, Tatiana White, Chassie Patterson. Uh, Ryan Howard was obviously SEC player of the year. The GOAT. The GOAT will very likely be a top two pick for national player of the year this coming year. Chastity Patterson is going to be, she probably, she was SEC six woman of the year last year. She will most likely slide into the starting point guard role, uh, point guard role and take that over as well. So they'll have a lot of versatility as well. Um, and uh, experience up top. They're going to be led by a lot of juniors and seniors. And then they've got treasure hunt coming in, who is the badass uh, freshman who's pretty pretty much mini Ryan from what, you know, without trying to hyper up too much, she's about as many Howard as you're going to get. Um, so well, she'll probably come in and start nuts. from day one. She's about six, two as well. And can shoot. It's, it's kind of weird how, and like they both came from the same high school area. So that's kind of weird, but the Olivia Owens transfer edition will be is huge. That's big, big news. She's six, four. Which, let's okay. Let's, let's just go ahead and stop. This was Zach Gagan broke this story, pat him on the back. This was his first like big time scoop. So, Props to him. He worked his butt off on that one. We are very proud of him at, at KSR for, for inserting himself in the scoop game. I'm trying to get more scoop on the schedule, which we'll talk about more in a second, but stay, you got to bear with me, folks. So Props, bro. Props. The Olivia Owens news was big. Uh, she's 6'4". She brings in size that I've been covering the team for two years. They haven't had a player that's 6'4". So, um, and she was a top 20 recruit or 30 recruit uh, before she went to Maryland. And Maryland, if you, for all the views that don't know, is like they are the the school in Big Ten as far as uh, women's basketball goes. So, or especially over the last ten years. So, to her to go there was pretty cool. She got stuck behind a lot of really good players. That was really the only reason. So, big things from her. The other issue is um, we've got two other transfers, kind of like uh, with Sar and Toppin. We've got Jasmine Massengill, who is a Tennessee transfer, and Robin Benton, who is an Auburn transfer. As of right now, they do not necessarily, or no one really knows if they're trying to get waivers or not. Um, I've had some questions come out ever since the SAR news of whether or not this makes me uh, more or like more willing to think that those two might get cleared. Um, as we know from the Joey Gatewood situation with Auburn to, to, to Kentucky, that's obviously men's football, but 
those SEC schools connecting is making things a little bit challenging. So who knows if the women's team is still trying to get those two, if they can, it, if those two become immediately eligible, Kentucky will be a top three team in the country. Yeah. And I, I think just from, just from the service level, I don't know why that wouldn't be something that UK goes all in on and trying to knowing what is on the table and knowing how the NCAA has operated with players very something. I think the Joey Gatewood situation is almost identical transfer Mm -hmm. dealing with the SEC. The SEC lifted that rule blanket. I mean, it wasn't just football. I mean, it was for, for all sports. So you look at that on the surface. They were both going to be juniors too. So they have years left. Yeah. So you look at that from, you know, on the surface level, there's no excuse for UK to not go all in on that and push to have, you know, it, it, it feels like Matthew Mitchell has, you know, they've been right on the cusp so many times. They've been, you know, one piece away, two pieces away, you know, just, you know, a, a couple shots falling here, a couple shots falling there that from reaching that final four championship level program. And you have those players on your bench right now that are waiting for their, their turn. And it's just like, we have them here. They are really, they're ready to go. Let's go. Let's let this team is capable of winning a championship this year. And that's the thing is next. Everyone is kind of thinking, well, I guess every, my, I'm thinking that next year is the year. Cause when Jasmine and Robin are available, they'll only lose. They'll have only lost a couple of seniors. Ryan will be a senior. That is going to be their year to put it all together. But like you're saying, there's no reason at this point. And I don't want to sit here and think that they should do it, but because I obviously don't have any inside information on that, but I don't know if them doing it, I'm trying to, you know, I feel like trying to figure out timelines at this point is worthless because the inside just kind of does whatever they want. But you know, the Owens thing was about a a week ago. It didn't take, that was the day after that um, the NCAA did that blanket waiver that you were talking about. That was the day after and I'm sure that that SAR and Toppin news was probably picking up steam at the same time as well. So if there were to be some news about that Jasmine, Massengill, and Robin Benton thing, I would assume we'd hear something within the next week. By the end of – I mean, if we were going to hear something, it would be soon because, I mean, the season starts and we're looking at four weeks now. So – or five weeks, I guess. So, you know, they're getting close. I'm sure they're practicing everything, but you got to get to a point where it's it's like, why aren't they playing? And – you know, if you look back to the Joey Gatewood thing, it's almost like, well, why, why aren't they? Like Joey Gatewood got his, yeah. he got his thing. So why can't, why can't these two girls get theirs? And I'm sure that Kentucky's fighting hard because, like, if if they do, if those two girls get on the team, like Jasmine Massengill was a starter on Tennessee last year. Robin Benton was also a starter. Robin Benton was one of the two or three best shooters in the league. Uh, Jasmine Massengill is, she's not that great of a shooter, but she's. She's an all-around. She does everything. She can uh, rebound, pass, defend. She plays point guard. She's six feet tall. So adding her would bring another six-foot ball handler on Kentucky's team, which they already have multiple of. Um, so just adding those two, it would be. It really would catapult them from. They're already looking at like a top fifteen, top twelve preseason ranking. It would shoot them up to a top five without a doubt. And this would be the year where you're finally thinking maybe they push it through and break that final four. And let's just think. We have high hopes for the for the men's team. We have high hopes for the women's team. What if the year they finally put it together, they finally 
jump that jump that final hurdle past the Sweet 16 Elite Eight range and finally get to that Final Four and, and championship level the exact same year that the men that imagine both teams at the same time lifting up that championship trophy at the end of the year. I mean, would that just not be a magical, magical freaking year? Amazing. Oh gosh. I want to just say for all people that haven't paid attention to the team at all, or or maybe, you know, have heard of Ryan Howard, but haven't watched her this, you need, you need to do so because you're going to witness something special. This, the next time Ryan Howard gets on the floor for a whole season. So she, I've, I would be shocked if she doesn't repeat as an SEC Player of the Year, and I would be shocked if she doesn't win National Player of the Year. She will be the number one pick in the NBA, WNBA draft whenever that time comes, when she graduates as a senior. That's right, Kentucky still has two more years of her. So she legitimately, she's six foot two, and I, it's really impossible to describe. I honestly think that even the men's team would admit that she's probably the best basketball player at Kentucky's campus right now. Didn't she, didn't last year, some of the men's players that they come out, they came out and said that Ryan would sometime work out with the men's team and that she was like giving them buckets and was like fitting yeah. in. Like she was on the roster. Like, well, I mean, she's, she's, she's legit. Two. She's got a huge, she's got a big frame. I mean, she can back you down. She can, she has the purest looking jumper. It's, it's so smooth. And she almost shoots it. Like, I don't know who a good compare, like she doesn't lift her feet up that high. It's very, it's, it's very quick. Like it's, it looks like she puts zero effort into it and it just goes in every time her fadeaway jumper is James Harden. Like she has James Harden abilities with her step back jumper. It's kind of crazy. She's definitely stealing from them. And she, you know, she hits 25, 30 foot bombs. It's, it's like watching <laughs> like a professional. It's, it's, yeah. it's like watching someone that does not deserve to be in the college level. So thank God the NBA, the, the UNBA does not have that one and done rule right now. Yeah. That if there was ever a time for you to get invested in this sport and this team and this program, it's, it's right this now. year. It's absolutely this year. You'll fall in love with them. It's going to be a blast. And Zach is going to be doing a phenomenal job covering them this year. We are thrilled. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we're looking forward to them very much. On that note, Kentucky actually just released their official heights and weights of the men's team. Like as we we're recording this, we we're talking about length and size, size and all that. Let me go through this real quick. There's not a single scholarship player smaller than six foot three. Yeah. Like, like Davion Mintz Davion is six Mintz foot three officially. Six three. Jacob Toppin, six nine, one ninety-four. Put on some weight. He was like 184 last year at, at Rhode Island. So 6'9, 184. Does Devin weighs more than him? Ask you 6'3, 198. BJ Boston, 6'7, 185. Terrence Clark, 6'7, uh, 194. That's what I'm telling That's you. Big. Terrence Clark is 194. He is built. Um, uh, Davion Mintz, 6'3, 196. So he's he's built too. Dante Allen, 6'6, 198. Keon Brooks, 6'7, uh, 205. And then going down the Cameron Fletcher, 6'6, 215. Isaiah Jackson, 6'10, 206. He's put on weight. Uh, Olivier Saar, uh, seven foot, 237. And then that's Lance a big boy. Ware, then Lance Ware, 6'9, 223. Man. This team is massive that's a big massive that's a lot of length that's a lot of just block shots and oh man that's that's a lot of fun right there that's a that's a fun fun little roster so anyway we're kentucky basketball as a whole 
both men's and women's looking, looking good. damn good this year. So let's uh let's kind of move in. What let's see how long do you know how long we've been courting here? Uh, I think we're about thirty-ish minutes. Thirty-ish minutes. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh let's quickly talk a little bit about some the NBA, and then we can go into our little hot takes. And let's let's try and do like another fifteen minutes. You say is that all right? Cool. Yep. So NBA talk bubble is over. Um, they're actually doing a board of governors meeting at this very moment that we are talking. Um, the NBA is they're trying to decide when to go about starting the season. They're actually going or the next season they're going to finally start fleshing out those details a little bit. The uh, the two biggest rumors right now are, um, well, actually from what I've seen the last, the tweets just from what I've been sitting here is that Christmas Day is gaining a lot of traction for the starting day for 2021 season. Um, the other big day that they're looking at is MLK Day on January 18th. I personally think that's the day that they're going to choose because I just think it makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, and I also do, I've heard that they're going to try and, they're definitely going to try and shorten the season again um ideally just from you know what we've seen with the ratings and everything and how bad the ratings were and even with the nfl and the the world series the first two games of the world series were the two lowest watched world series games in history yeah or in like since they started tracking that shit so it's not politics or anything folks it's all about people just don't care about sports right now but anywho the nba is trying to figure out a way to get back on track of their original schedule they don't want to mix up this whole thing where they're doing like uh we start in January and finish, you know, in October or like whatever they're trying trying to do. So they're going to try and go back to that previous cycle where it's like October to June. So the way that they're going to do that is try and start this season in January and probably still try and end it in June or July um, yeah. and just do like a 70 or 60 game season. So those are just kind of some little minor details about incoming season that we kind of know of right now. But other than that, we got like some free agencies that is not going to be that big this year. Um, I do think we should talk about Eric Bledsoe because I think he's going to get traded. Zach Lowe even kind of mentioned like just some, it, it was just a little trade idea that he just pulled out of his ass. But I do think genuinely that Eric Bledsoe will probably get traded just because of the events that have occurred in the last three playoffs with him. Um, do you want to kick off any NBA talk at all or any NBA thoughts you've got before we kind of spoke some fires? Well, uh, I obviously being a, a very, very big time Boston Celtics fan, um, I there there is a trade idea going on for whatever reason everybody just thinks that the best idea right now is to trade Gordon Hayward and just like send him off into oblivion for whatever reason even though he's a Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown I'm almost I'm almost like just do it Gordon is a fantastic basketball player arguably our best play you know initiator uh shot finder passer I would trust him running the point over can I say Kemba Walker kind of, I kind of, I kind of am at that point that if I'm trading anybody, I'd rather trade. We'll just, we'll just, just continue on before I, before I pop off. I would, I would probably go Gordon at the one Jalen Brown at the two Tatum at the three. If I'm being totally, totally honest, he, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm, I'm, I'm joking long-term, but he is a guy that you can trust to initiate the offense and run things long-term in a game, not as the, the primary point guard, but he's that type of valuable ball handler and creator. Um, and for fans to just be wanting to trade him for, you know, peanuts, 
makes no sense. Yeah, people are floating the Celtics are monitoring the Andre Drummond situation. Andre Drummond is ass. He is not a guy that you build around. He is not a, a yes, there are health issues right now with Gordon Hayward that I think it's time to address. He's had a couple of fluke injuries, but it always just seems to happen that he keeps getting injured. It's something that we need to talk about at some point, but not a not where it's like all right, but not to the point where you're willing to throw him away for Andre Drummond, who is not going to help at all. There is a trade idea that's being floated around right now that Victor Oladipo Depot wants out of Indy of Indiana. Uh, Miles Turner has kind of been on that floating, kind of on the trade block you know i would imagine i would i would almost bet that miles turner gets traded just because they want to make sabonis their guy so gordon is a he's a hometown indiana kid he grew up there went to butler that fit makes a lot of sense if you are uh you know if if you're going to trade salaries and try to get fit you trade gordon and you know the 14th pick you know the the we have three first round picks this year a couple first of the you know however you want to do the first round pick game for the Victor Oladipo and, and miles Turner trade. There's, it, there is a slight fit there. If we need to force feed I could, one, I could see but, it Hayward miles Turner, something or other going yeah. down. I could see that. It, it'd, it'd be complicated, you know, especially to try it. to add that, that depot piece, but he is an expiring. Um, and that's something that you also have to factor in that he's not, it's not a guarantee that he's going to be long-term in any place that he, gets traded to or whatever. So very complicated. I am not aboard the trade Gordon Hayward train at all. I think if anything, you, you trade your 14, 26 and 30 or whatever, the three first round picks and see how high we can get. Can we get number seven? Can we get number eight? Can we move up in the draft and grab a, a future center that we like? Is there any way we can, if we can push for a James Wiseman trade, if he falls to four or five, can we get up to five by adding in a Robert Williams and a, you know, some of the, the young talent that we have, the maybe a Romeo Langford or something like that. That is definitely something that I'm, I'm more intrigued and happy with than just saying, screw it. Let's, let's say, well, they, sorry. They have to make a move. They, they have to yeah, make a move. Of it's some gonna sort. Be, it's going to be Gordon Hayward or Marcus Smart. It's going to be one of those two dudes picks a bunch of picks. Like, they, they trade Marcus Smart. I'm rioting. I'm. There's no way. I will. <laughs> well, sorry, I will, buddy. No it might way. happen. They're they're just not gonna win. They're not gonna get any further with this. They have to. They have to go out and get a big guy like a Miles Turner. I think that'd be awesome. That that would probably work pretty well for them, honestly. Yeah. Um, but so let's actually let's uh, this one. This one kind of just popped in my head. So the Louisville Toronto Raptors or the Louisville Raptors. You've seen the rumors for yeah. that, right? Yes. Yeah. The the Louisville thing. That's. I don't know from there's a been already been a bunch of uh, conflicting reports saying it's not going to happen. And that it, a bunch of it was saying that because of the Raptors weren't fans of the decisions that the city of Louisville made in the Breonna Taylor case, which I didn't even think about until I started hearing it. And I was like, you know what, that kind of makes sense. I could see them not wanting to do that at all, considering they were just in Orlando spending months, you know, protesting against it. Let's go play at the place where these events, yeah. uh, you know. So that, so once I started thinking about that, I'm, I'll, I'll go ahead and kill that rumor right now. I don't think that'll happen, but I do think the Toronto coming down will definitely happen. And I think you have to look at a city like Louisville is probably what they're going to be looking at. So, you know, you got Seattle and uh, other places. There's also talk that they might share a, a market with a bigger, uh, bigger city. So you'd look at like New York or LA or Chicago or something like that. But 
So yeah, I believe just, the the Blue Jays played in Buffalo this year. So yeah. you could you could have a and an MLS team did mm-hmm. I think, or an NH maybe as an MLS team came down and played somewhere as well. So they've done it. There's yeah. two precedents for it already. Yeah. Um, so that was and, just uh, news. And wanted. and I think Matt mentioned this on the radio show, but think back to what okay what happened with OKC the one year that the the New Orleans Hornets tried playing. Uh, they they needed a place after Katrina to to yeah. play for their for that one year. They had made a makeshift team in OKC for the year, and it worked, and yeah. fans loved it, and they built a team there, you know, long term. And that's something that if if you know what really pisses me off about the whole thing is, especially with the Louisville long term NBA implications, the the story of Tom Jurich and Rick Pitino saying no to the Sacramento Kings that yeah. were planning on coming. They were ready, had their bags packed, ready to come to Louisville. And Rick Pitino and, and Tom Jurich said, no, this is a this is a Louisville basketball town. They didn't want to share the spotlight. They said, you guys are built. They built the Yum Center with the idea of this could fit an NBA team. Well, this that's, is why, an NBA, that's why Louisville's this, being looked at because they're this one is of an, the only cities with an NBA-ready arena. This is an NBA arena. They could put an NBA team in there tomorrow if they truly wanted to. And the only reason why the Sacramento Kings aren't there right this second, we could have had Boogie. We could have had De'Aaron Fox. We had all this time that we could have loved, you know, these, but we've kind of, the Sacramento Kings were kind of a makeshift Kentucky team. And we could have had that in Louisville. We could have had that in the state of Kentucky. And guess what? Rick Pitino. Well, I, will, I will say this, this news I still think is, even if it was kind of, you know, nonsense news, I still think it was, you know, Louisville's always kind of been the third city behind Seattle and Mexico city as like in line to try and get a team. So even if it is just a little baseless rumor like this, I still think it's good that it's the idea is continuing to get itself out there. And now yeah. that it is out there, I, I would hope that the Yum Center people are like, well, Hey, maybe we should let's hit them up let's actually let's see if we can make this happen like i said before with the brian taylor thing i really i really think that the raptors won't do it because of that and i think the players would say no and the owners would say okay you're right we're not going to do that so um yeah and uh louisville does they can create like even if they if they get a team for one year like the same situation with uh katrina and okc that's all you need to to prove that you can have a team there and obviously louisville has the um center does do they have all the other amenities surrounding it that you need to have an NBA team? Probably not right now, but you know, that's all stuff that you can build. Um, so just kind of sparking the idea and sending it out there is a good start. Um, I still think it's going to be a while before anything like that would ever happen, but nice. Did you, I mean, what, 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 what frustrated me was when the idea came, came up in the national reporters are putting that out. So this could have been a situation where the Raptors where we're looking internally going, all right, well, where can we look? Where would be a good place? Ooh, Louisville does have this. They did have, before the conversations of, are we going to do it? It's a, is this a possibility? Yeah, those, uh, those, those are where those rumors came from. And when they heard of them, the Yum Center people said, well, that's news to us. Like they came out and got all pissy about it. Like, well, they didn't even come to bother ask us yet. Very like, obviously, why aren't you asking? That, like, like backing, you like, be asking. Well, they they were kind of like not wanting to, like saying, "Well, that's we haven't been asked about that." Like, you we you haven't gotten our say for the matter. Instead of saying, "We don't know if these rumors are true," but we would absolutely welcome the possibility. 
they could have they could have a, a PR move of of that nature. Louisville could use some positive PR right now. Say, hey, we would love the opportunity for you guys to come in here and spread awareness to yeah. you know use it as That's a they would do use, use it as, it as an as an embracing moment as a come together moment instead of a why you guys haven't even talked to us yet. It was just like any possibility of a team. I mean, a team is floating the idea of coming to your home and saying, Hey, this might be something that we could be flirting with long-term. And they said, as if it was just like, dude, stop screwing up over and over again, Louisville, accept it. Know that you guys have an NBA ready arena. You have a beautiful downtown area with a minute. Not it's not ready made the outskirts of it or not. They're not ready for an NBA arena yet, but the, the well, think about right now, you just need to make a bubble. They just need to make a bubble yes. for this coming year anyways. Yeah. Well, like not necessarily a bubble, but you know, yeah, they don't need to have all those extra amenities outside right now because they're just going to be playing basketball and there's going to be a quarter of the fans in there anyway. So yeah. yeah, you're right. I don't know why they would come out and say it like that. They should have been like, shit, that sounds like a great idea. You all should yeah. definitely come down. That's, come that's when you go we'll to the Raptors you. players and you're like, hey, look, we know all this stuff in Louisville has gone down, but if you want to come down here and spread your message you can have a front row seat to try and use this platform that i guess that's i that's all conjecture i can't really yeah. i don't want to speak on that anymore really but you know that's that's something that they could do yeah. so i think that's yeah. those are all possibilities louisville kind of like you said they just on the on the initial news broke they kind of screwed it up so we'll see if they can kind of recover i doubt that news will go away i would imagine that because they're gonna have to figure out something to do with the raptors they're just going to and if the season starts in january you know that's we're looking at about two months away. So uh, they're going to have to figure that out. And Louisville, I'm trying to think, what, what's another city that could even do it? Like if you're if you're looking at like Chicago or like a big city, you know, should maybe share it with them because Chicago just has the one team. LA is probably not a good idea because they got multiple teams. Uh, Seattle, they've been talking about bring, bringing like it back to Seattle, Seattle for a long then, time. Then you got to think Vegas. Like, Louisville's a good like centralized spot where, you know, they could yeah. kind of teams come in from each side and not have to – you know, because if you put the Raptors, if they're in the East and you throw them out in Seattle, you know, I'm sure they're going to still be trying to do East and West things. So Louisville's going to Louisville will always be one of the top choices, even if they don't think they are, um, because yeah. there really just aren't going to be many other options. I mean, I really can't like maybe a town in Tennessee, maybe could get some Knox. Does Knoxville have an NBA ready arena? I don't I don't know. So but, I, I don't see it. it. If Louisville needs to suck it up and get it over with otherwise they're going to go to the north happening yeah otherwise toronto's just going to go find some some town or some outside city in uh, new york and go from there it, so. it's such a a money driving i, I mean, like think of it this way even rent, if it's only 20 percent capacity that's- rent at the yum center is probably just nuts the louisville basketball team they are not they are not selling out every single game well, they're not they're it not going to be losing it's a losing building right now. Right now, the Yum Center is losing money. There have been reports over and over again about how that is not a financially feasible, like they are they are actively losing money right now. They have the opportunity to bring an NBA team to Louisville that will attract anybody. Think about I mean, how I'm sure many they people- get a cut of TV rights for that. I mean, even if your capacity is at 20%, I would find it hard to believe that you would justify that you're still losing money holding that event as opposed to not holding it right and, and think about what like louisville city fc the soccer team that got, they were at the they were they were in the louisville bats 
stadium for the first like two years of their existence. And they have then a big fan base, big following. And right then now. they they built a beautiful multi-million, I mean, just massive, gorgeous facility specifically for them because that fan base is so big. And it's just like it's here. There, there is an NBA fan base in Kentucky. There we is. just we just proved that they made a soccer team out of nothing, like out of just poof, out soccer. of thin air. Imagine don't if care about soccer here. Imagine if De'Aaron We're Fox. Imagine if De'Aaron Fox or Boogie at his forty-five point per game night. You know when he when Boogie was Boogie. They would imagine him in Louisville. That would have put asses in the scene. There would be people at the Yum Center every single night to see Boogie play. I would be there. I would have season tickets if the Sacramento Kings play. I don't care what team is there. I'm buying season tickets just because that's my home. I grew up in Louisville. That that's where I that's where I came from. I want that opportunity to be able to root on a local team in my life. I've been going away from the Cincinnati Bengals my whole life. Won't cheer for them my whole life. I'm a Red, I'm a Red Sox fan, but I'll still wear Cincinnati gear because. It's kind of my kind of my home. Not ever cheering for the Colts. Not ever cheering for uh, the Titans. I don't. The reason why I'm a Patriots and Celtics and Red Sox fans is because I grew up going. I need. I need. Uh, you know, teams to cheer for. I fell in love with those kids. You know, some of their, their star players as as young kids, and I, and I'm a lifelong fan now. If I had the opportunity to have that, if I had the opportunity to have a hometown team, I would buy season tickets tomorrow without even thinking twice. No, yeah. Without even thinking twice. You bring up a so, good like, Lexington kids, you know, as someone who grew up in Lexington, you know, if you weren't a Bengals fan, you were a fan of one of those random teams that were good because yeah. you, didn't, you didn't have a local team to cheer for. People didn't care for local teams here. That's why you've got like spread, like you've got a bunch of Colts, Steelers, Titans, Bengals. I mean, it's a mismatch of everything. And that's NFL, obviously, but, you know, bring an NBA team. There's the closest NBA team is in Indianapolis. That's three hours away. Yeah, and some and I go every single year when the Celtics come to town just because Three I'm that obsessed. That's just because I'm that obsessed with it. Yeah, if you it's, think it, it's going to be a team an hour up the road, and you've got, I mean, if, let's say they bring the Raptors down, you know, we don't have there's no Kentucky players on there, so. But let's say, the Heat come to play, or yeah. the Celtics come to play. Like, as long as you've got like, you don't have to obviously base it all off of Kentucky presence, but. Kentucky fans will go even if they don't care about the teams that are playing. Is it's, it's kind something of to do? So this, it's so, there, there was is, one night I I I don't care anything about soccer at all, not even a little bit. And I went to I've, I haven't gotten the chance because you know of the circumstances right now. I haven't gotten the chance to be at the new the new soccer arena. But when they were at the Bat Stadium the last couple of years. I went several times just to go and get drunk. And it's like going to Lexington legends games as a, as a, as a UK student, you just go, it's a fun thing to do. It's a fun thing to watch. It's a fun thing to follow. Use it there. And I don't know anything about soccer, but I'm like, go. Yeah. Hell yeah. And imagine a basketball game with constant action. That there's there's just, there's just no no excuse for the city of Louisville to not embrace that right now. And if they're even slightly defined, maybe maybe it was just a misunderstanding. Whatever the case was, they still somehow butchered that. They so they, 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 all, they, they all came out. Even Dan Issel came out and he was like, because he's the big NBA to Lou guy, and he was yes. like, I don't know what they're talking about. But anyways, let's. I think we should kind of try and wrap things up here. I think we've we've yeah. done pretty well. So I yeah, know we got a, we got a little on a little rant for yeah for there for hey, a little that's, while. That's so what, that's what we're doing. That's what we're all about here. So. I know you kind of already teased your hot take earlier, but do you want to kind of 
expand on it a little bit more? Okay. Um, let's say let's say we get five minutes because I do have to leave kind of shortly. Oh, that's right. Um, hot take. At some point this year, Terrence Clark will start at point guard for Kentucky. That's something that has been okay, hold on talked now. about. Who will he start with, though? Because that means you know you're going to have to kick someone out. I think when it, down. I think when it boils down to it, there will come a time that you will want that the cream always rises to the top. And I think Terrence Clark is going to be one of the two best players on this team this year. And I think they will want to put the ball in his hands. So it will be a situation of Terrence Clark just overtaking it's something. It's not going to be an every time thing. It, it might even just be a situational thing, end of game situation, whatever, where they're going to want him to kind of take, take things over and be the the initiator and, and play creator I I think that there's going to be a time that we go, wow, Terrence Clark is doing this. Terrence Clark is running the one. It's not going to be a permanent thing. I don't think he's going to like overtake it permanently and he's going to be like Kentucky's point guard. But there's going to be some times that Kentucky's going to need just basket creators, people to put the ball in the in the hoop, and he's going to be the guy to to initiate all of that. Because I mean he's just so good at driving and 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 you know slashing to the rim and finishing at the rim he's just a a just a slithery quick just smart high basketball iq i mean he gets sloppy at times but overall he's a guy that you're going to want the ball in, in his hands and, and to, to make plays happen and if i'm playing the odds here i think I, my my hot take is that we're going to see terrence clark play point guard at kentucky well, so then do you see ask you moving to the two or is he I, I think it's if he's as capable of a shooter as kind of, you know, is, the rumors and, that I hear he at is. six foot three playing the two probably shouldn't be that much of an issue for him, especially because he's big. I know if we're looking at he, that thing that they just sent out, he was as big. He, six, you know, he was three, 198, I think is what that's it said. That's huge. That's stocky. That's big. So, yeah. You know, does, because let's, let's line up, starting lineup. Ask you, Boston, Clark, Brooks, Sar. Right now. That'll be the day one. Either Seven. it, it depends on what they want to do with Askew, Mintz, who's winning on that. I mean, it's a very back and forth well, so battle in practice back, right back now. to your part about Clark at point guard. So then move Clark to point guard. What would you do? Do you move Askew down to two or do you take him off, maybe throw in like a Davion Mintz and put in another shooter? Man. Or do you put in another there, that There's going to be a real long. There's going to be a time that Kentucky is going to want to overmatch a team with size and athleticism and just say, we're going to beat the hell out of you. We're going to press. We're going to, I mean, we're going to go. BJ Boston at the two. That's what I'm saying. Three. Then you throw in an Isaiah Isaiah Jackson Jackson and, and Olivier Saar at the five. That's going to be my, that's going to be my five. I think that's going to be the lineup. I think those are going to be the five best players on the team. I do. Isaiah Jackson. Isaiah Jackson at the four. I think that's going to be, and, and, I'm not saying Devin Askew is better than Isaiah Jackson. I mean, he might be, but I, I'm I'm more so saying fit of 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 that run and gun athletic. Let's get up and down. You know, you know, Kentucky fans talk all the time. Oh, we love the Rick Pitino days, and we love those. You know, that's going to be that type of team if mm-hmm. we if if we get to the if if Cal Perry gets ballsy enough to do it. I think he's going to. I think there's going to be some times that especially if we're up by a lot or yeah. we need a, a kickstart after halftime or it's a rivalry game. We're playing Louisville, we're playing Tennessee and we just want to beat the absolute hell out of somebody. That's going to be the, we're going to, we're going to run it up on you and beat the hell out of your lineup. I think. 
I think in the middle of January, we need to come back and, and listen to this and see, uh, see what, see what the deal is with, with Clark at that point and see how, yep. see how right and wrong we were on some of these evaluations, but I'll quickly uh, close out with my little hot take that I've got. Um, the women's basketball team will have three all ACC performers or all, whoa, all that SEC. would be very hot take. That'd be impressive, right? If they did that. <laughs> Three all SEC performers. Obviously, Ryan Howard will be your first team. I'm going to put Chassie Patterson on the first team as well and Kiki McKinney on the second team. Bing, bang, boom. Three all SEC players. They'll probably, well, I'll, I'll say South Carolina will probably win the league, but Kentucky and South Carolina are going to be your two best teams. It's going to be a fun year. I like our Very excited. Team. Very, very excited. And I'm very excited for, uh, our listeners to a give us some feedback on this give us feedback on that name tell if it's say if it's atrocious tell us it's atrocious if you kind of like corny let us know because we might just keep it as is uh we'll we'll uh we'll go with the flow if you like uh the jack and zach basketball round ball attack whatever round ball attack kentucky round ball attack there we go jack and zach kentucky round ball attack boom yahtzee bada bing bada boom